When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is based. Lisa Goitsch is alongside my friend and producer of this podcast. Lisa, always good to see you. Thank you always for good to see us. you. I hear you're in my neck of the woods today. I'm in uh, actually in California, which is amazing to me that... Uh, you can have such weather like you have out here when I'm used to what we have in Michigan. And uh, it's just so gray and cloudy and cold in Michigan all the time, this time of year. And then I'm out here right now. You have the sun shining and blue skies and the ocean is nearby. And, and uh, I don't know how anyone gets anything done out here. Yeah, I or why just- we complain. Well, I definitely don't know why any, anybody in California complains, because <laughs> from top to bottom, from the northernmost part of the state to the southernmost part of the state, you still have it made compared <laughs> to the rest of the country. Yeah, and it's pretty you, beautiful here. And you have the ocean always if you're facing north to your left. And <laughs> yet you, there's just endless complaining. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. Why is that? I don't dare say that last night I was freezing, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure freezing for a Californian. Yes, you were. Uh, but it's all relative. And Michigan, where I live, has some lovely elements to it, just not particularly the winter weather. So there's that. Well, welcome back yes, to the, the land you. of the sunshine. Thank you. So um, today I wanted to talk just briefly about something that people have um, talked to me a lot about. I'm actually out here in California to make a speech to help ALS and uh, something that's very close to my heart, obviously. And it's the disease from which Maury Schwartz died. And I have a good friend out here named Augie Nieto, who also has ALS. Oh, Augie, right, right. Augie uh, contracted ALS when he was in his 40s, unlike Maury, who got it in his mid-70s. And Augie was on top of the world when he got his diagnosis. He was a, uh, I don't know if he's a billionaire, but he was very high up, multi, 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 multi millionaire as the founder of Life Fitness, uh, the, the cycle company for health clubs and things like that, which make the stationary bikes and things like that. He helped develop that company and he had a number of other things and, and it was, it was just a man about town, a good looking guy with a, you know, beautiful wife and family and an adventurer and, he actually discovered that he had ALS while he was water skiing in Vietnam, you know, Whoa. on one of those man kind of trips with the guys. And he kept falling down and falling off his skis and he was having trouble shaving. And when he got back, he was diagnosed with ALS. And he uh, his reaction to that being a guy who who, you know, was used to having a great life and everything great 
was to try to kill himself. Um, he tried to take his own life. And oh, uh, that was, of course, a tragic moment. And he survived the attempt uh, with pills. And he was in the hospital room. Uh, and he heard his family, you know, speaking and talking about what had happened. And that's when he realized he couldn't do that to them. And that wasn't the right approach. And he began to take a different approach, quite the opposite. He embraced life. He embraced the time that he had, even though he was dying from this disease slowly. And he said, I'm going to take all my business acumen and everything that I've learned, and I'm going to apply it to trying to find a cure to ALS. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm really good at running a business. I'm going to create a business whose business is finding a cure for ALS. That's the wow. business. That's, that's it. And he created Augie's Quest, and they have raised countless millions of dollars so far for research. They have developed their own drugs to try to battle ALS. And Augie, remarkably, now, you know, I, I don't even know how many years, but I know it's at least 12, if not longer than that, wow. years that he has been living with ALS. And he is a vibrant, vibrant force. And uh, 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 even though he can't speak, can't move, he types by um, rolling a trackball with his single toe uh, wow. and blinking, uh, you know, and to get things across. And yet he's able to communicate, writes me emails and wrote me thanking me for speaking tonight, you know, on, on behalf of, uh, of, of ALS, where I was auctioned off as a speaker. And so I thought I would just share with you because it's something that Augie has had to do, that Maury had to do, and that I've talked about before on the program, but particularly mindful of it, giving this speech tonight, about how when terrible things hit and you know you can't do anything about them, like when Augie realized after he attempted to take his life that, okay, I'm just going to have to deal with this ALS every day of however long the rest of my life is. Well, how do you yeah. deal with something that you don't want to deal with? How do you deal with something negative? How do you keep it from dominating every single minute of your life? Well, the answer to that is detachment, to separate yourself from it. And it is something that people like Augie and Maury who go through this, okay, you don't have a choice. It's like you're in the army now and, uh, and, and here's who you're battling and you've got to battle against this disease every day. So you don't have a choice. You're gonna to have to figure out a strategy. But it's also for people who are battling their own particular things that may not be as bad as ALS, but for them, they're very real. And how do you separate from the negatives in your life? So I'm going to read you from the book, Tuesdays with Maury, the part where, where I wrote about our conversation about detachment. This is from page 102 in the book. The small horrors of his illness were growing, and when I finally sat down with Maury, he was coughing more than usual, a dry, dusty cough that shook his chest and made his head jerk forward. After one violent surge, he stopped, closed his eyes, and took a breath. I sat quietly because I thought he was recovering from his exertion. Is the tape still on? He said suddenly, his eyes still closed. Yes, yes, I quickly said, pressing down the play and record buttons. What I'm doing now, he continued, his eyes still closed, is detaching myself from the experience. 
detaching yourself. Yes, detaching myself. And this is important, not just for someone like me who's dying, but for someone like you who's perfectly healthy. Learn to detach. He opened his eyes. He exhaled. You know what the Buddhists say? Don't cling to things because everything is impermanent. But wait, I said, aren't you always talking about experiencing life, all the good emotions, all the bad ones? Yes. Well, how can you do that if you're detached? Ah, you're thinking, Mitch. But detachment doesn't mean you don't let the experience penetrate you. On the contrary, you let it penetrate you fully. That's how you're able to leave it. I'm lost, I said. Take any emotion, he said, love for a woman or grief for a loved one or what I'm going through with this disease, fear and pain from a deadly illness. If you hold back on the emotions, if you don't allow yourself to go all the way through them, you can never get to being detached. You're too busy being afraid. You're afraid of the pain. You're afraid of the grief. You're afraid of the vulnerability that loving entails. But by throwing yourself into these emotions, by allowing yourself to dive in all the way, over your head even, you experience them fully and completely. You know what pain is. You know what love is. You know what grief is. And only then can you say, all right, I have experienced that emotion. I recognize that emotion. Now I need to detach from that emotion for a moment. Maury stopped and looked me over, perhaps to make sure I was getting this right. I know you think this is just about dying, he said. But it's like I keep telling you, when you learn how to die, you learn how to live. Maury talked about his most fearful moments, when he felt his chest locked in heaving surges, or when he wasn't sure where his next breath would come from. These were horrifying times, he said, and his first emotions were horror, fear, anxiety. But once he recognized the feel of those emotions, their texture, their moisture, the shiver down the back, the quick flash of heat that crosses your brain, then he was able to say, okay, this is fear. Step away from it. Step away. I thought about how often this was needed in everyday life, how we feel lonely, sometimes to the point of tears, but we don't let those tears come because we're not supposed to cry, or how we feel a surge of love for a partner, but we don't say anything because we're frozen with the fear of what those words might do to the relationship. Maury's approach was exactly the opposite. Turn on the faucet. Wash yourself with the emotion. It won't hurt you. It will only help. If you let the fear inside, if you pull it on like a familiar shirt, then you can say to yourself, all right, it's just fear. I don't have to let it control me. I can see it for what it is. Same for loneliness. You let go, let the tears flow, feel it completely, but eventually be able to say, all right, that was my moment with loneliness. I'm not afraid of feeling lonely, but now I'm going to put that loneliness aside and know that there are other emotions in the world, and I'm going to experience them as well. Detach, Maury said again. 
He closed his eyes, then coughed. Then he coughed again. Then he coughed again, more loudly. Suddenly he was half choking, the congestion in his lungs seemingly teasing him, jumping halfway up, then dropping back down, stealing his breath. I instinctively pulled him forward and slapped the back of his shoulders and pushed the tissue to his mouth and spit out a wad of phlegm. The coughing stopped, and Maury dropped back into the foam pillows and sucked in air. You okay, you all right, I said, trying to hide my fear. I'm okay, Maury whispered, raising a shaky finger. Just wait a minute. Finally, in a whisper, he said, I know how I want to die. I waited in silence. I want to die serenely, peacefully, not like what just happened. And this is where detachment comes in. If I die in the middle of a coughing spell like I just had, I need to be able to detach from the horror. I need to say, this is my moment. I don't want to leave the world in a state of fright. I want to know what's happening, accept it, get to a peaceful place, and let go. Do you understand? I nodded. Don't let go yet, I added quickly. Maury forced a smile. No, not yet. We still have work to do. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, nah, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of the uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, in that little section wow. is that's uh, beautiful. Is a lot, yeah. Was, I remember that moment particularly when I'm reading it about how even in the middle of that coughing thing, which got very violent in its own way, you know, Maury was able to say, "I know what this is. I know what this is," and really, you don't, as he pointed out, you don't need to have a serious illness. To have something to be able to attach from like that. I yeah. I get that and I try to practice that now, uh, for example, with fears of my health. Okay. I have a thing where, you know, I'm just worried about any slight pain I take to the hundredth degree, you know. And Amen. Last night I, I feel you. <laughs> last night I uh we had some food from a, 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 a restaurant nearby here, a Mexican restaurant. And um, when I was going to bed, I lie down and I started to feel like a little nauseous. Mm -hmm. And with me, I immediately associate nausea with cancer. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Jeez, and I'm like, oh my gosh. you know, 
There are so felt... many things in between there, by the way. I know, but I don't get <laughs> nauseous very often. I don't throw up hardly ever. I'm going to go years and years without throwing up. You and, and Jerry so, Seinfeld. That was yeah, a whole so Seinfeld episode once. <laughs> was it? So, I, you know, nausea is like a thing. And I'm like, I'm lying there going, oh, I feel a little nauseous. Cancer, <laughs> you know? And And then I was able to say, okay, wait a minute. You know what this is. This is your fear running amok, and you're you're actually feeling fearful, and 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 this is what you do. Okay, go ahead. Allow yourself to think that being nauseous is cancer for for for, for thirty seconds. Okay, you yeah. happy now? But that's it. Now detach from that. Okay, you know what that feeling is. Separate from that feeling. Separate from that fear. It's just crazy fear. It's not justified. It comes in waves and it hits you. You're going to be all right tomorrow. You're not going to think about it. In 10 minutes when you're not nauseous anymore, you're not going to think about it. So detach from it. And that's just one example. Like I said before, Did the that loneliness- work, by the way? Yeah. Let me just- yeah. And so yeah. you can, it works. Okay. Yeah. It, but but the, the, the thing is that people, what's weird about detachment as working is that you actually have to let it sort of, quote, not work for a period of time before it works. In other words, you have to endure the pain. It's a little bit like alcohol poured on a wound. You know, when people have a wound and they say, we need to put alcohol on it, you know, it hurts, it hurts, you know, like a kid, it hurts, it hurts, I'm going to put alcohol. No, don't put alcohol on it because it's going to it's going to hurt worse. Yes, but if it doesn't hurt worse, then we can't make it better, right? So it's a little bit like that. You're going through it and you say, okay, I'm going to experience it fully. I'm lonely, I'm crying. You know, I'm trying not to cry, but but I feel like crying. Instead of saying I'm not going to cry, just cry. Just let it all go. But you have to say to yourself, I know what this is. This is that swarm of loneliness. It's one of many feelings. Loneliness goes along with happiness, goes along with contentment, goes along with hunger, goes along with there's all kinds of feelings. Yes. It doesn't have to dominate. So you let it go. You pour that alcohol on it. You feel, you say, just like you say, I know what this feeling is with alcohol, right? As an adult, when you pour it on, put put alcohol on it, you know it's going to burn, but you know once it does that, you're covered. You know, you're not going to get germs. You're not going to get infected, right? So you endure it. It's the same thing with these kinds of emotions. Let it go. Let it go all the way through and recognize it and say, I know what that is. That is loneliness. That is fear. Yeah. That yeah. is depression. We've yeah. had it before. It's like a cold that we've had before. You know, every time you get a cold, you don't think you're going to die. You say, you're saying, I'm going to get better shortly. This is just a cold. But you have to be able to say that about these emotions. This is just loneliness. This is just depression. This is just whatever thing you're going through. Go through it and then say, now that's enough of that. Yeah. Now I'm done with it. Okay. I did it. I recognize it. I'm putting it to the side. It's going to come back. At some point, maybe it'll be tomorrow, maybe it'll be in a week, just like Maury would go through these moments with his terminal illness. Okay, that's this is this is bad day you know, the today. Horror. Yeah. yeah, or this is that day, or this is the horror of ALS, or I'm having one of these moments where I'm coughing, but now put it aside, detach, yeah. separate, go on to something else. Yeah, that's and good. I, I kind of did that so quick. I know um, I did that yesterday with fear. I have these, I have a fear thing, like you are with the sickness thing or whatever. When I know that something's coming that makes me anxious or fearful, even if it's in two weeks from now, I will spend two weeks dwelling on it. 
you know, instead of just dealing with it in two weeks from now, I just make my entire life about it leading Mm. up to that. And so yesterday I actually did what you said. I, I just, I sort of more analyzed it, went fully into it, wrote it down. It made it less fearful and I was better. Like I'm better today, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, and it seems almost counterproductive because it doesn't sound quite like detachment. It sounds like attachment. It yes. sounds like attachment, even you know, tighter than you normally do. But it that is the pre-step to detachment. Hold on to it, recognize it, attach to it, and say, okay, that's what that is. Now I know how that feels. I recognize it. I see it. It's one of many emotions. But that's not going to be my only emotion. There's nothing wrong with a little loneliness. There's nothing wrong with a little depression. There's nothing wrong with a little sadness. These are all things that help us appreciate the good moments. The problem is when we can't get out of that emotion, when we are looped and locked in, when we cannot, what? Detach. We cannot detach. That's when it becomes dangerous. And that's when you want to try to avoid it. So again, if you happen to have Tuesdays with Maury on page 102, that little section there is always worth reading. I think when you find yourself overwhelmed with a particular emotion that's negative or, or having a bad effect on you, just remember uh, what Maury was able to do with something that in most of our cases is far more serious than anything that we're facing. Oh, yeah. He was able to say, okay, I'm going to detach from it. And Augie has been able to do that and separate himself. And I'm, I'm happy to be able to honor him uh, and, and that spirit tonight when I go out and, and speak about this subject. So um, with that, we're going to detach from you <laughs> for the week, but not in the same way I was just talking about. De- to detach and dispatch. So we thank you for listening to us. We Tuesday people.com on the web to find out more about our show, previous shows, discussion groups and the like. Lisa Goitsch produces this program, and I thank her for that. We all thank her for that. And until we see you again, have yet another discussion. I'm Mitch Album saying see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, We're Tuesday people.